0: Well, my friends, today, uh, in this final Sunday of Advent, preparing for the birth of our Lord uh, and its celebration imminently um, on Friday, we hear this gospel of the Annunciation, and uh, we turn to Our Lady in a special way, and with her as our example, uh, to teach us how to live well um, our life of discipleship and how to prepare well in these coming days. Uh, So this gospel, um, from the first chapter of the gospel according to Luke, is, it's so, I think, I I should probably go and count it up, but that it is um, maybe one of the gospels that we read most, if not the gospel we read most Throughout the year, because on many major Marian feast days we have this gospel, obviously on the Feast of the Annunciation, uh, and then here preparing for Christmas. And so we read this gospel, and it's words that we should know. And that when we hear them, we should we should rejoice. When we hear, you know, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. That we, when we hear those, we should be like, okay, like. This is the Annunciation. I get it. We're entering deep into this mystery, the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God, and that this is a model for us. Now, a few points about the Annunciation that can really help us and encourage us today, from which we should learn. The first is that we don't get the sense that the Annunciation happened at some... Um, unique time in Our Lady's life. It was the most unique moment of all of human history, but it, it's, it doesn't sound like she's on vacation or on retreat or you know, had gone on a pilgrimage or something like that. We get the sense of, that the Annunciation happens in the midst of Our Lady's everyday life that this is um, our lady probably we in the western tradition believe that it would have been in her home maybe in a time of prayer Um, it's actually interesting the eastern uh, christian tradition uh, has that uh, this would have taken place at the well in nazareth and so they actually venerate the well in the town of nazareth as the place where the incarnation happened all the more so this happens in the midst in the midst of what would have otherwise been a normal day for Our Lady. And whether it's in her home, in a time of prayer, or whether it's like when she's actually going to the well and just getting the water for the day for her family. When God reaches out to us, we don't need to be in some kind of special circumstance that God can reach out to each and every one of us and does every single day. And that it's not like, oh, you know, I'm not on retreat, so nothing good could happen to my spiritual life right now. Like, no, that's baloney. It's God reaches out to us in the middle of our everyday, right in the midst. And just like if Our Lady was going to the well and drawing the water, and that's where she encountered the angel, like right there in the middle of our daily work, God could reach out to us. The most significant moment that started Our Lady along this path, and probably the most significant moment in all of human history. when God became man, happened in the midst of what was probably an ordinary day. And so if today, for us, is an ordinary day, and if tomorrow is an ordinary day, God reaches out to us in the midst of the ordinary days. And there's no day that's off limits for God to reach out to us. That in the midst of wherever we are, right now, today, God wants to call us to serve him. God wants to invite us to receive him. Like today, we receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist. Today, on what is probably otherwise an ordinary day. Something extraordinary happens, supernatural, in our reception of our Lord in Holy Communion, in our encounter with the good God. God can reach out to us at any moment of any day. Point one. Point number two is that Our Lady is not a passive spectator in this, that she is actively engaged, that she actively engages the message of the angel, that she actively um, you know, ponders it and asks questions. Coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Mary ponders it in her heart, the angel's message, because it's troubling. Why? Because she would have known her scripture, and she would have known that when an angel appears to you in this way, like the angels, they would appear um, to Gideon in the book of Judges, and it was, hail, the Lord is with you. Like, hail, Ave, the Lord is with you, right? And so this is the sign of something big is going to happen for the people of Israel, Somebody's being set upon a big mission. Hail, the Lord is with you. And so she is troubled at that. But also, um, we, add, we have this added uh, phrase. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Hail, full of grace. That's a phrase that appears exactly one time in the whole Bible. Hail, kikare tomene in Greek. One who has been Fully graced in an action that happened in the past, but endures to this day and will continue to endure. The doctrine of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, her perpetual virginity. Hail, full of grace. And so Our Lady, in considering this, doesn't maybe understand. She knew that she was special, had to have. She's immaculately conceived. But but that she ponders this in her heart. She's not passive. She's not just a spectator. She's not, the angel shows up and she's just not like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, yeah, you just do your thing, angel, right? You just proclaim your message. I'm, I'm listening, right? No, she actually is. She's pondering it. She's engaging it. And then when she has a question, you know, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? Like, yeah, what's going to happen? How is this going to happen? Not like Zechariah, as we heard earlier in the Gospel of Luke, who is, prove it to me. How am I going to know this? And he's struck mute for that, um, for his, you know, um, rebuttal to the angel. That's not what our lady's response is. Rather, she asks an important question. How? How? Okay, there's this mission you're sending me on. I have a role. How's it going to happen? What's the plan? How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? What's the plan here? Okay, Mary intelligently in pondering... And in asking um, important questions and information, she intelligently engages this. We have to, when we are encountered by the good God in the midst of our everyday life, when we encounter him in scripture, when we encounter him in preaching, when we encounter him most above all in the Eucharist, we have to intelligently engage it and not just be passive. Passive Catholicism is useless. It has no evangelical power. To just sit here and just whatever. No! We need to be active and engaged. We need to consider and ponder. When we hear the readings, we shouldn't be thinking about whatever else we're thinking about for the day, right? We got a heating problem over in the Catholic Center, so I'm thinking today about our furnace issues. But not when the readings are being read and not during the Mass. We should be actively engaged, we should be fully participating. Our minds and our hearts should be there. When we study the scriptures, we don't just read it and, okay, check that box off my plan of life, but we engage it. We can read some good commentaries. We can pray. We can talk to our Lord about it. When we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we don't just pay attention to people not following the traffic pattern on the way back to their pew. No, we talk to our Lord. We talk to him. We engage him. We need more engagement in our church. We need more um, people to really buy in and not just be consumers or spectators. Just an example, um, and it's just because it's the numbers I have off the top of my head. Um, But our parish, our parish is actually really good. Our parish, um, and this is just one example among many. Like we're starting a Knights of Columbus, we started a Knights of Columbus council, and already, and we'll talk about after mass. We're already doing things to serve in our community. We've already we've got a great um, got ministries, got good things going on. But here's one example that we can look at in comparison. Um, our parish is poised to either be first or second, may get knocked down to third, but who knows? Throughout the entire archdiocese for percentage participation in the Archbishop's annual appeal. We've always been number one in our deanery, and that's just the win I want, with regard to percentage participation. Not the highest dollar amount. We're not able to compete with some of these huge parishes and their high dollar amounts. But for percentage of a parish participating in supporting the charitable works of our Archbishop, we are either going to be the best in the entire Archdiocese. Right now, I think we're being slightly edged out by a parish that has 70 registered families. So to get a high percentage there is a much lower number of people actually participating. Um, but you know what's interesting? Those no- we're going to maybe be the highest percentage with like 44% of our parish participating. That means that in every parish in the Archdiocese of Hartford, less than 44% of the registered families support the charitable works of our bishop that support the people in our local area. Less than 50, no one breaks the 50% marker. No one gets even half of the entire parish to participate in these, uh, supporting the works of our bishop. Um, And so there's something to be said for really active participation. We don't just want, you know, 7% dedicated parishioners. They do everything. We want 100%. Every single person who sets foot in this church should actively engage the mission of the gospel should actively receive God's word, should actively ponder it and pray, should actively receive our Lord in Holy Communion and talk to him, should try to come for times of Eucharistic adoration, should see themselves as part of the apostolate and the spreading of the gospel. Every single person, 100%. Again, um, Matthew Kelly, the good Catholic author, um, says if we could just go 7% is your average participation in parishes with things going on, if we could just get that up to 14%, the output of the Catholic Church in our parishes would double. I don't want 14%. I want 100. Every single person. An intentional disciple of our Lord. Who loves him. Who follows him. um, Who engages prayerfully. Point number two. Point number three. Is Our Lady, after hearing the message of the angel in her everyday life, after intelligently engaging it, then makes a verbal consent. She makes it her prayer. Fiat. Let it behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And that, may it be done um, in, in Latin, it's just one word, fiat. Fiat. Um, it's actually the car company, fiat, is a dedication to Our Lady um, and her fiat. Right? It's a double meaning. Uh, it, uh, fiat. Let it be done to me. Fiat is the verbal, I'm in. Yes, Lord. You know, yes, that's the message to the angel. That's Mary's, I'm in. I'm part of this. As we move to 100% engagement, as we want to be part of the apostle, as we want to actively follow our Lord, then we need to make our verbal fiat. Yes, I'm part of this. I want to be in the game. I want to be part of the mission. Fiat, let it be. Let it be done to me according to your word. Behold the handmaid, Lord. Behold, Lord, I'm your servant. Fiat, let it be done. And so we need to make, and maybe even just today, in the church and in a moment of prayer, ideally after receiving Holy Communion, just take that moment and say that. Fiat, yes, 100%. I will follow our Lord Jesus. I will be part of the mission. I'm going to be in the game. I, the, I use that phrase in Latin, Fiat many times throughout the day. Anytime that I have to do something difficult, something goes wrong, um, there's going to be something that's a little challenging. And yeah, in a natural way, I want to be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like I, I have, you know, okay. You get a call to go to the hospital at 2.30 in the morning and your first reaction is like, ugh, okay. But no, like that's, I love being a priest, Right. And so, get out of bed. Fiat. Time to go, Lord. This is what I was ordained for. This is my mission. Fiat. Each and every one of us can say that many times a day. Let it be. Fiat. I'm in the game. I'm ready to go. Right now. And to say it again and again and again. My friends, this is what we can learn from Our Lady along the path of discipleship. As we approach Christmas later this week, um, that we need to be open to encountering the Lord in our everyday life. We need to intelligently and passionately engage the gospel message, and we need to be fully in, and that we should do that and make that commitment through some form of actual verbal prayer. A good fiat. Let it be. We ask our mother to teach us how to be faithful disciples of our Lord. So as she um, acted so marvelously in this encounter with the angel, so too we, following her example, um, can be 100% in in the mission of spreading the kingdom of God.